Now to Russia, where we're getting dramatic new images of an explosion at an industrial plant northeast of Moscow. Russian state media reports at least 45 people were injured and two of them were hospitalized. Russian media saying that it appears the blast was not caused by drones, they say, but came from a pyrotechnics warehouse at the site and was a result of a violation of technological processes. Ukraine's president says that he talks strategy and next steps in a meeting with Ukraine's top military commanders. It comes after he acknowledged in a video message Tuesday that the counteroffensive has been difficult and is happening probably slower than some had hoped. Kyiv is still claiming what it calls partial success on the southern front line. Meanwhile, in Russia, Moscow's mayor says that two combat drones were shot down over the city's suburbs overnight. CNN international diplomatic editor Nick Robertson is here to discuss this. Nick, Moscow acknowledging that two combat drones were shot down overnight. Then there's this huge unexplained explosion quite close to Moscow, but they say it wasn't drone-related. Do we suspect that we're getting the full truth from the Russian authorities? The, the Russians have opened an investigation. They've opened it very quickly. They've been very quick to scotch any rumours that this could be a drone. Those two drones that were shot down overnight appeared to be flying towards Domodavio Airport, the international airport. So we know that the Russians would very likely have um, good defensive measures around those vital infrastructures. Mm. Um, the Ukrainians have tried to target around the airports before and have been unsuccessful. This new explosion, um, it raises a lot of questions. It does appear to be the largest unexplained explosion near to Moscow since the war began. Um, it was initially said by one state media that it was an explosion in a boiler room. And then the narrative seemed to settle on a, um, a pyrotechnics factory, a fireworks factory that was being sublet from another factory unit. But when you look at that explosion, and there are a lot, there's a lot of video, the blast damage at a nearby school, a ring camera, a woman walking half a mile away is literally rocked on her feet by the force explosion, a massive explosion. It doesn't look like a pyrotechnics explosion. We've seen those before. You have fireworks whizzing out of the explosion. This looks like one singular massive blast. Why was it caused? What was it caused by? The Russians say they're investigating, but they've been very quick on a day when there were already two drone strikes to say it wasn't a drone strike. And I think what's interesting about this facility is until this morning, everyone understood that this factory complex made optical, electronic optical components for a military manufacturer. Mm -hmm. The optical components potentially for drones that Russia used to get sourced from outside sources like France that it can no longer access. It would make, if those accounts are accurate, it would make it a potentially very, very, very high-value target for the Ukrainians in a war that is dominated by drones. Um, the Russians are investigating. It, they're very quick to investigate and put out a counter-narrative at the moment. Nick, thank you so much. I wish we had more time because, of course, as you were explaining to me, the wider context of this, too, is Ukraine trying to expose chinks in the armour of Moscow, that everything isn't, in fact, OK, that the war isn't going to plan, and to provide any distraction that will enable them to make progress on the front lines. Thank you. Senior diplomats are now telling CNN about the sobering updates that they are receiving on Ukraine's progress to take back its territory. And in the United States, there are signs that the public's willingness to keep funding multi-billion dollar aid packages with American taxpayer money may be faltering. So tonight we ask, 
Has the Ukraine war reached a stalemate? Well, senior international correspondent Sam Kali has been reporting from Ukraine even before the start of Russia's invasion. Today he's here with me in the studio, I'm happy to say. So, Sam, I'm going to put that question to you very simply. Is this a stalemate at this point? And if so, why? I think the answer to that is yes and no. So if we take a look, Becky, at uh, how things kind of, kind of stood before this offensive got underway, these big plain red areas are the areas, some of the areas captured by the Russians at the beginning of the war uh, last year, starting last February. Of course, that extended much further. There was an area around here that has already been liberated, large amount of this area in the Kharkiv province also liberated. But these yellow areas are where, and they're almost invisible here, mm. is where this counteroffensive has really been getting underway. Now, if we take a closer look, you can see, Becky, that we're seeing a larger set of territory. And that looks not so bad from uh, the outside perspective. It doesn't look like a kind of Anschluss, a massive victory uh, of the rapidity that we saw up in Kharkiv and elsewhere. But it does look like there has been some progress. Now, of course, We've got reporting from my colleague Jim Shuto in the United States that his sources are telling him, and I've heard, heard similar things from some NATO senior officers, that this isn't the sort of pace that they wanted to see. Well, kind of, no kidding. That's not what the Ukrainians would have wanted to see either, but Ukrainians will respond that this is a long and grinding war, and it's not all going to necessarily be focused just in terms of the ground operations. So if we take a closer look... Uh, at what's been going on on this southern front. This has been very much the concentration of the most recent offensive. Uh, and, of course, the big target is the Crimean Peninsula. The, essentially, the Ukrainians want to cut through this territory, separate Crimea from being able to, to support or get support from these other Russian-held areas uh, and force their way through and liberate Crimea ultimately. And, of course, you've got the very important Zaporizhia nuclear power station itself, a kind of problematic location. It's a concentration of Russian troops, but also needs to be liberated, highly dangerous area to go into combat. Six nuclear reactors there, biggest in Europe. So it's a highly problematic landscape. In the first instance, you just go, OK, it's going nowhere. These are very small in incremental gains. But the point is, these breakthroughs could be very sudden. If there is a collapse of the Russian front, then you could see a collapse of command and control among the Russians, and that ultimately is what NATO advisers and, uh, indeed, the Ukrainian military are looking for. And how might this be achieved? Well, you've got to go after the logistics capabilities of the Russian operation, not just what they've got, Becky, in-country, in Ukraine itself, but in places like this. This is the location of the latest long-range uh, attack against the logistics node supplying uh, the Crimean Peninsula, supplying all of those Russian troops. And, of course, in the past, we've seen these attacks uh, elsewhere in Russia, deep strikes, uh, trying to undermine the capability of the Russians to sustain their war. If the Ukrainians can do that, Becky, they could win it. This counteroffensive effectively waited for the arrival of <clears throat> and the training on equipment, military equipment, which was provided both from Europeans, the Allies, and indeed from the US. The US has provided some $44 billion in security assistance uh, to date. Is that something that they are able, willing to sustain at this point? Well, that is the big question. It's going to be, I think, the foreign policy question of mm. the... We're soon going to be going into the whole election round in the United States. Mm. The key issue, we know Trump's position. If he were to get uh, nominated for uh, the Republicans, 
He's not in favour of this war. He would pull troops out. He would definitely cut back on funding. That is existential as far as the Ukrainians are concerned. They acknowledge that the burden is heavy, not just on the US taxpayer, but on all of the European taxpayers. These figures are pretty astronomical. But their real problem is here in the polling. That was the support, uh, is the support, rather, that they believe that they've done enough. That is the figure. Americans are saying we've just about given enough. Just over half Americans think that they've done enough. That was the level of support mm. a year ago when the Russians invaded. So there's been a collapse there. Now, that is, an, that is potentially a political opportunity for somebody, I would argue, pretty cynical in terms of international affairs, mm. where you, wouldn't, you might want to make hay with that against the Biden administration. But uh, I think it's very important to hear from John Kirby, the spokesman for the National Security Council, because he is the word of caution here. He is pushing the, Republic, uh, sorry, the, the, the government's position here, the administration's position, and it's a very important one that the Ukrainians desperately need to hear more and more often. Take a listen. I think every ally, every partner, every nation, and there's more than 50 of them, including, of course, the United States, that are involved in supporting Ukraine, feels responsible for helping Ukraine be successful on the battlefield. Nobody wants to see them struggle. Uh, but, and like I said, even they admit that they're struggling and they're not doing as well as they, they'd like. So we're all going to be dedicated to continuing to help them get what they need. And if that means more training, then, then more training it'll be. And if that means more capabilities, then more capabilities it will be. We're all in this together. We all want to see them succeed. Want to see them succeed, but they weren't given the tools to do so at the beginning of this war. The American support, the international support has been incremental. The Ukrainians say we need more, we need it now. That's been them, their statement from day one of this war. Very important to hear from a military man himself, the Admiral himself, explaining that just because we're in a 24-hour news cycle and people get bored of the Ukrainian story, this is a war. It takes time. It's a complex strategic event. Becky. Sam, it's good to have you here. Sam Kiley on the ground in the house <clears throat> with uh, the very latest on the Ukraine conflict.